Hi, this is Michael Soto. And I'm Sam Garman. You're listening to Transform, the podcast where we explore the stories and experiences of folks who are transgender beyond the transition. One, two, three, four. What did your mom say? What is your real name? How about those drugs that you take? And does your voice change? How come you don't feel ashamed? What kind of love do you make? But you don't care about my answer Your questions ignore me Let me tell you a story Hello everybody, today we are talking about internalized transphobia. It's a topic that is not discussed very widely uh, in the trans community or in any other community, I think. And we thought it deserved a little bit of attention today. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's this is something that I think even amongst you know we we have a lot of the same uh, trans friends, and this yeah. is this is something we don't even really discuss amongst ourselves very much. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a it's kind of an elephant in a room sort of a situation, um, and we think it's important to talk about because it is something that you know we're going to talk about a little later on. Like, kind of impacts every facet of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to note that you know we understand that from ourselves, I think our own experiences with mm-hmm. this topic, uh, that it's uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. It's uncomfortable to think about. It's certainly uncomfortable to talk about with other people. Um, but that is in and of itself also a reason to think about it, talk about it and work on it. Um, and it's, it doesn't mean just because it's uncomfortable, um, doesn't mean that it's your fault. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so experiencing, internalized transphobia does not mean that you're a bad person, a bad trans person, anything like that. Um, it's part of our lives and our experience. We're all experiencing this to some degree or the other. And, uh, we want you to know that this isn't about your personal, um, it's not, this isn't something to blame yourself about, but it's something to understand that you will experience as a trans person because our society is infused by transphobia, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just, we're all a product of our society. And so the fact that our society is transphobic means that we're all going to carry a little piece of that with us, regardless of how much we reject it. Like it's kind of still in there. And so Mm -hmm. no trans person should feel bad about the fact that they experience internalized transphobia. Um, we should all understand that every one of us who is trans experiences internalized transphobia because our society is deeply transphobic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what is transphobia, Sam? So transphobia is intense dislike of or prejudice against trans people. Um, so note that this is, this is a, this is a weird thing where Latin actually doesn't serve us very well. Um, it would, we would think that phobia would mean fear of, and that's actually not how it's used. It's not how homophobia is used. and It's not how transphobia is used. Uh It's, this is about dislike of and prejudice against not about fear. Right. Although some of that might be based in fear or like misunderstanding or, you know, that idea of fearing the other. Um, but recognize that this is, we're not saying that folks are scared of trans people. We're saying that folks dislike or are prejudiced against trans people. Yeah. And taking even a step further, we're saying that, uh, the way that transphobia works in society because of that prejudice against trans trans people uh, when it is connected to privilege, especially and power Mm -hmm. 
becomes something that exposes trans people to disproportionate violence, discrimination, right? All of these things that we've discovered that we've talked about on the podcast previously. Yeah. And just like, um, racism is in, is a part of our society, both on a personal level and on a systemic level. Um, transphobia is present in our society, both on a personal level Uh and on a systemic level, which we see literally every time someone promotes a bathroom bill. Yeah. So like the only reason a bathroom bill works is because transphobia exists, not just at the personal level, but also at the governmental level Uh and also at the policymaking level. So recognize that, that when we're talking about this, it's not just about your personal feelings or one's or anyone's personal feelings. In fact, there can be transphobic systems that are propped up by people who don't actually even own, don't have their own transphobic viewpoints. Yeah, absolutely. Experiencing transphobia from a societal, you know, perspective can also, um, come out in other ways, right? Like, uh, I'm thinking about any store that you walk into, right? Everything is gendered. Everything right? is changing. And so that, that <laughs> And it's not just it's not just a bunch of stuff that's like hung on the same rack. Right. That like here's some stuff for girls and here's some stuff for boys. It's like an entirely different section of the, of the store. store. Exactly. Like an entirely different side. Yes. <laughs> like yes, often like you can very either go far you can either other. go left or you can go right, but you can't yeah. there's nothing in the middle. <laughs> you have to pick one in society, you pick the gender and it's separate. Um <laughs> Yeah, we experience that all the time, right? And that has to do not just with transphobia, but also there's transphobia wrapped up in that, right? Yeah. So it's a complicated thing. Yeah, and transphobia exists not just in the, like, at the two ends of the binary, but certainly folks who are anywhere in the middle of the binary experience a ton of transphobia Mm -hmm. because you can't immediately place them on one side of the store or the other. Exactly. Right? Like, if if there's not a clear place that that society thinks you should belong. Yeah. That is going to create all kinds of transphobia that is just going to have an entirely different impact. Absolutely. Um, So just, I think it's important to clarify that for, for our non-binary siblings. That's really true. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when I was in the process of transitioning and sort of in those awkward stages where I was very, um, like gender non-conforming looking, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very androgynous looking. Yeah. Um, I experienced a lot of, children actually like yelling at me from a shopping cart or coming up to me and being like, excuse me, are you a boy or a girl? Mm-hmm. Which from a kid was not like, they were just curious. Right. Yeah. And so like, yeah, yeah. I was always happy to answer the kid or sometimes they'd be like, what do you think? Or, you know, like just to engage with them or be like, well, I'm a boy. And they'd be like, okay, cool. And they were done. You know, they just wanted Check. to know. They're like, boy, <laughs> got it. Um, their parents would freak out though. Oh, like yeah. every parent of a child that asked me that would st- suddenly be stammering and be like, I'm so sorry stop it you know like yeah. don't ask that of people you know and it's yeah. like it's fine your kid's just curious yeah i know you're uncomfortable you're very clearly uncomfortable because you can't tell if i'm a boy or a girl but <laughs> it's fine like and yeah. your kid was very polite about it you know so like those sorts of things manifest constantly um in our lives and it's something that transphobia in general right is something mm-hmm. that trans people are facing every day of their lives yeah yeah. Uh, so, so then this, so this episode we're looking at like, so transphobia exists. We know that's true, but what does it mean for a trans person to have internalized transphobia? Uh-huh. So we're taking it one step further in this episode. So it's not just the transphobia of society at large, but like, what does it mean when trans folks have sort of taken that in? So trans internalized transphobia is when trans folks take all of that in to be true, right? That there should be, 
one way, you know, there should be that intersection of gender and you choose one and move, <laughs> you know, in one direction or the other. Yeah. Um, that there aren't things in between, that there is a way to be man enough or woman enough, right? Yeah. Well, and that gender is fixed yep, and cannot fixed. be changed. Yep. Um, so, so all of that stuff that we've been kind of like soaking in, yeah, it gets in us. It does. It does. <laughs> and, and, and in this way, just like all systemic oppression, right? Yep. It's just like that. It's the world and the air that you breathe and it becomes a part of you, mm-hmm. whether you believe those things consciously or not. Like, yeah. uh, in fact, most of the time, any implicit bias, right? Any unconscious bias are things you don't believe, yeah, <laughs> but they're still a part of the society and the world in which you live. And so they become a part of you, whether you want them to be or not. Yep. And so I think if you, you know, if you gave a hundred trans people a test yeah, and in that test, you asked all of the questions like, mm-hmm. you know, are you, do you believe that trans women are women? Do you right. believe that trans men are men? Um, is gender a construct? Like, I think a hundred out of a hundred trans people would ace that test, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. But then when you actually when you actually look into the real lived experience, uh-huh. our what we know about those things is much actually less fixed than what we feel about those things, Absolutely. specifically as it relates to us. Yes. Um and this is again, this is a this is something we don't talk about a lot because we all feel a lot of shame. Well, I can't speak for all of us. Fair. I will say most of the people that I've talked to about this, uh-huh. we feel a lot of shame about the fact that we feel this way, even though we know, even though we know something better. Yeah. Um, and so shame is really wrapped up in this. There's guilt wrapped up in this to uh-huh. feel like, well, God, I'm just not a good enough trans person. If I like, I actively believe this is true. Like I know this is true, but then when it comes down to it, there's something about there's something inside of me yeah. that's telling me there's like a little gremlin in there shouting yeah. that this isn't true, <laughs> and it's like, shut up, gremlin! I know better than this, yes. and it's this constant warring with what I know and and what I feel, and a lot of times what I feel is because I've been dipped in this toxic society so much. I've been like dipped in this toxic sludge of transphobia and homophobia and racism. And so all of that is wrapped up together. And the little gremlin is like, no, no, that can't possibly be true. And the parts of me that are really sure about these things, Uh um, uh, you know, are fighting that. Absolutely. I mean, I think for me, I'm thinking of examples like uh, the way that I walked, right? Like the way that I walked, pre-transition the way that I walk now is very different in part because there was a moment in time where I was like, Oh wait, the way that I walk, I think is too, like, it's not masculine enough. So then I practiced walking lots of different Mm -hmm. ways, which is absurd. It's walking, right? Like it's just walking, but like being paying attention to like ridiculous things like that, um, that, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter how I walk, you know, like I can, people walk lots of different ways that's interpreted, you know, because we live in a society that has a gender binary that is transphobic, all of these things that's trans that's in that walk is interpreted in very specific ways. And so my internalized transphobia, instead of saying, yeah, fuck you. Like for Mm -hmm. thinking my walk is anything but a walk, like I'm just getting from A to Z. Um, then practiced a different kind of walk until that became normal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's wrapped up in everything. It's wrapped mm-hmm. up in all of the ways we question the way we perform gender. Yeah. It's wrapped up in all of the ways that we, it's wrapped up in all the ways that we police one another's gender. Yes. Good God. Trans people can be 
like the most toxic about policing gender. And it's yep. because we're so worried about our own gender representation. It's like, dude, I need you to get on board with how we do man yeah. so that we can all look like we're doing man right. <laughs> right. Like, I, <laughs> I'm so afraid that I'm not doing man right that you need to do it right the way that I say you should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, that is a really like, that then creates toxic relationships yeah. within the trans community because we're all sort of like, rubbing our toxic yeah. internalized transphobia on each other. Like it gets really narrowly. And then like, I, I definitely sometimes even still have to recognize and police myself around this. Yeah. You know, I have, I think, you know, I have a very extensive bow tie collection. <laughs> Indeed you do. Sir. Um, and in choosing like what patterns to match and what colors to wear, sometimes I think like, okay, is this too flamboyant? And uh. then it's not masculine enough. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. Yeah. I am doing masculinity the way that actually feels most correct to me. Yeah. And it's and so some like I have to shut up the little gremlin to All sometimes get out the door in a bright pink bow tie. Yeah. Which by the way looks fucking great it does it's fantastic um, <laughs> but it happens constantly you all know? the time and i think this also manifests in our relationships in other ways right like that gremlin around other trans people for me sometimes will be like panicking because people don't pass enough or mm-hmm. right or something to be like we're all going to be red like yeah you know yeah. this is going to be a really uncomfortable situation um or you know just feeling like i don't want to have trans friends because you know, that's going to associate me too much with the community, you know, like yeah. that. I think that's a common fear, right? Which mm-hmm. is a ridiculous fear. Like it's, it doesn't manifest. It doesn't happen. Most of the time people don't either don't care or don't, you know, read any of us. They yeah. just see people. Um, but that's another, you know, sort of instance of transphobia. Yeah, um, for sure. And that gremlin sort of infecting <laughs> daily life, right? Yeah. So we wanted to talk about, um, I think we know that there, there are a lot of trans folks listening and we uh-huh. assume that most of you are going, holy shit, this is absolutely like a thing I experience <laughs> all the time. Um, and there may be a bunch of you who are allies who are going like, holy shit, what does, what are you talking about? Like this, yeah. this feels like I don't even, I've never even understood this. And so for those of you who are, you know, kind of like, okay, wait, I'm trying to understand this. How does this show up? Uh-huh. We thought we would discuss some areas in our lives that this should show up. This, this shows up and then sort of how it shows up in those areas. Um, because we think that it's important to give voice to these things. Um, because it's a thing that a lot of folks are not talking about. This is a, this is a taboo topic. Definitely. Which is what we like to talk about here <laughs> at Transform Pod. <laughs> we really enjoy making ourselves uncomfortable for your benefit. That's, that's really what this is about. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So let's talk about some of the ways that internalized transphobia manifests and what it looks like. So let's start with a really fun one that Sam and I are real comfortable with as well. Our our personal favorite topic, which dating. is dating. <laughs> yeah. Well, dating and also sex, I think internalized yes. transphobia shows up a For ton real. here. And um, this is a this is a place because it's like, you know, maybe your most intimate relationships. Uh-huh. Um and there's also with dating the potential of getting naked at some point. Yes. So that's sort of like all wrapped up in this idea of internalized transphobia. Yeah, it um I think it manifests kind of constantly uh in that aspect of sex and dating in the for me, it manifests in never feeling enough, right? Like mm, never feeling yeah. man enough, never feeling like um, I'm meeting whatever those expectations are. Um, and because of that, like 
uh, often feeling very triggered in relationships um, and uh, things that are mine, not the other person's, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, as Sam and I were discussing this, the dating partner relationships, I typed in every relationship I've ever had. <laughs> 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 because it just feels very real, right? Yeah. Like, um, there's no matter how kind someone is to me, no matter how loved I feel in a relationship, there is always something in the back of my head saying they're going to leave you because you're not a cisgender man. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's also the, like there, because in our society, there's this kind of like toxic belief about how people should be. Um, it's, really easy to buy into the idea that no one would ever want to date a trans person, like yeah. that there's something fundamentally wrong with trans people that, that that would be not, not that you would just not date them. But like, if you, if you had to date a trans person, it would be like pity dating. Yeah. Like, Oh, it was so, gosh, it's so nice of you to right. date that one. So thoughtful of you it's, to do gosh, that work. It's like That's, really big of you yeah. to take that on. Which is also how a lot of people respond when they yes. find out that there's a cisgender person dating a trans person. And that's always an awkward moment of like, what is happening here? I'm not like, like a I'm, pity case. Right. Like, I'm a really great person. And so yeah. are they. That's why we're dating. Yeah. But any but anytime that comes up, yeah. that is going to like flare up and trigger everything with. Oh, yeah. So even though someone is like wow, I just think it's so cool that you guys are dating. It's like right. what what they really mean is, I can't believe you're dating someone who's trans. Right. <laughs> um, and what the trans person is hearing is, you are not enough. Right. And no one should date you. No yes. one would date you because they really wanted to. Right. They're dating you because it's a project. Right. This person is Mother Teresa that yes. you're dating. And they deserve and like, a lot of praise because really dating you is a deficit, yeah. not like something that brings... <laughs> a lot of wonderful things to someone else's life because yeah. you just aren't human enough. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and again, I think that they, you know, there are probably lots of different experiences with this, Sure, but almost every trans person I've met has wrestled in a dating, dating or sexual relationship with this idea about like finding your path and sort yeah. of shutting those little thoughts and voices up around not being good enough or not yes. being enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this also shows up in family, uh, in familial relationships, Oof. right? So a lot of us struggle with our relationships. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us struggle with our relationships with our uh, families of birth, right? Yeah. Um, and that can be a, a really painful area to yeah. constantly experience transphobia and that internal reaction of internalized transphobia. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my my family has struggled right. with my transness. Um, my dad still has me saved in his phone under my birth name. Oh, man. Um, he has literally never used the word son. Wow. Um, and so like, I know, I know that he doesn't tell people that I'm trans. I know that he just sort of continues to operate in his world with his friends and his people as though nothing has changed. Wow. Which is real awkward when we run into those people, like at a restaurant and our family is together and people are like, yeah, I bet. Huh. That's, wow. Like people are sort of giving me the like sideways dog ears up look like right. I'm trying to figure out why your voice is so deep. Um but yeah. you know he wants me to be the daughter that he thought he had. Yeah. And I'm not. Yeah. And so like there's a that's a man that's a hard it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to navigate. And so I'm sort of always left feeling like I've disappointed my parents. And that like kicks up all that like 
you know, being trans is not okay. And it's like, he's ashamed of me, those kind of things. And man, it's a, like, it's a, just a constant battle. It's a constant battle with that. Absolutely. Um, and we just, I mean, I think it's important to say that with your family, especially, you know, that's, those are the people that are supposed to love you no matter what. Um, and that's what people say a lot in your family. Like, I love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. But if people don't treat you like that, if they don't actually make you feel that in the way that they treat you as a person and in that relationship, it's okay to distance yourself, right? It's okay to take some space from that. It's okay to... Um, say, no, I don't deserve to be treated like that. And then be gaslit basically and told that you love me when you're treating me like you don't love me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, all right. So another area uh, where this happens is interactions with cis dudes. Oh my God. So not that I really want to interact with cis dudes very much. Like it's not like a, the primary goal of my life, <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> no offense cis dudes but we just need you to try harder in try general harder. Life. yeah yeah um but like uh, so i've noticed things like so i was a socialized female right but like every cis dude i interact with when you when you go walk into a shop hey bro how you doing <laughs> like thanks man i appreciate it bro dude <laughs> like everything has and i don't know how to talk like that <laughs> So I'm always like, I'm going to get called out. Like I'm not, dude, I'm not, I'm not a good enough dude. (laughs) Yeah. I'm failing at the dude test. Uh, I experienced that a lot when I worked in wealth management briefly, um, because the, the men there manned real hard, like super manning. Well, there was a lot of manning. There was a lot of super manning happening. Uh, literally every Monday when I would come into work, there were hours of discussion of the sports ball, whatever the sports so ball much was sports ball. that was happening. Yeah. And I'm not, it's just not something I'm into. Great. If you are, I love baseball, but I'm not really into professional sports for lots of reasons, but there was so much discussion discussion of any kind of athletics that was happening in the world. Yes. And people would constantly ask me, Oh, did you watch the game? And like, I would just be like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was great. Such a great game. Wow, what a game. Yeah. Wow. Blew me away. And then they would just expect <laughs> I'm really good at faking this. Like I'm real good at being like, oh man, that was a great game. What did you think about? You know, like just switch it to them, start asking them questions. They'd fill in all the blanks. Then I'd be like, Yeah, that was great. Okay, I gotta go to work. But it was really stressful, you know, uh-huh. like because every Monday morning I was like, God, they're gonna ask me about whatever game they watched or many that they watched that I don't <laughs> have time games. to watch or interest to watch. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to fake it. I'm going to have to be real good at it. Here we go. And part of that, instead of just being like, yeah, I don't care about sports at all in this yeah. capacity, um, is internalized transphobia, right? Yeah. Like being like, oh, they're going to be like, something's wrong with that guy yeah. if he can't talk to me about the game, right? Yep. And so we like kind of feel like we have to play along, act the part, yeah. like figure out how to engage. Yeah. Um, I find myself sometimes being like, yeah, bro. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't, I don't talk like that. That's true. You don't. <laughs> I re- really, really hard. Don't. So like trying to like figure out how to, how to do that. But sometimes yeah. it's, um, it like the internalized transphobia tells you like, you have to do this thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Or, or people will know, you know? Know. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right. So another area where that come, this all comes up a lot is work slash school. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this happens in lots of different ways. Um, work is a place where, uh, and school are a place where people are reading you 
immediately, right? And often don't know you very well um, and are using stereotypes uh, to understand how to interact with you, I think is pretty true, right? Yeah. In whatever your job is or or school, right? That's especially in that uh, sort of very... A casual sort of relationship where you don't know the intimate details of my life. I don't know the intimate details of your life, but we sit together for 10 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> right. <Jeez. laughs> um, and I think that can make that, that internalized transphobia stuff happen a lot, right? Whether it's, you know, guys on Monday morning talking about sports um, or the way that power flows in an organization, yeah. right? Like yeah. the way that men are expected to have all the answers in a meeting and women aren't like whatever that is um, for me has caused a lot of sort of performance anxiety in of yeah. this, like, am I doing man? Right. Yeah. Um, and then there are the technical things, right? Like yeah. when you change your name or when you want to go by a different name, you know, like when I, when I started transitioning at ASU, I didn't legally change my name immediately. It was a nightmare. You know, like just to be called the right name in a class. Yeah. Well, and especially, you know, for, for even younger trans kids in school, um, having access to having your like chosen name on a, on a roster anywhere, or, um, like even having the conversation about pronouns, I'm going to tell you like, anytime you want to, anytime you have the conversation about pronouns, it kicks up all the internalized transphobia. Oh, absolutely. Because it's like, now I have to, you feel like you're outing yourself. Yeah. Now I'm like putting a target on myself for people being really shitty about, well, why do I need to know that? Like those, that kind of crap is that, that in work in school can be really tough. And yeah. then I think like, you know, Michael and I were talking about this, you know, when a, when a, when a woman changes her name because she got married, uh-huh. the entire organization will bend over backwards to yes. change that married name in literally any place that your name appears. Right. That, that maiden name is obliterated. Yes. Like, it does not exist anymore. Yep. Yeah. But for a trans person who legally changes their name, yeah. it is like you are asking someone to, you know, erase all of the records at the CIA. Like it's like, it <laughs> couldn't possibly be done. And like, right. gosh, we've never we changed a name before. And we won't know who you are. Like how yeah. would, how could it possibly happen? Yeah. Like it just, there are so many steps to that. Right. It just seems impossible. Like a, gosh, it's yeah. just a freaking pickle. How right. could we possibly untangle this one? It's like y'all can, and, and even they can do it. Like if there's a person in your organization whose name is Elizabeth and they want Liz on their signature line, like, right. God, it's amazing how quickly that sort of thing can go. Like, Oh, exactly. you want your email address to say Liz instead of Elizabeth. Right. Sure. Right. Like what? <laughs> right. But a dead name showing up they're like, it's, I mean, it's Gosh, legally it's just correct. Really? So it's, it is very, I mean, yep. legally, we really want to make sure that we're following all of the laws. Right. Legally. Right. Like, listen, right. there is no law that says that your company's email address has, has to actually to, yeah your dead name in name. It. exactly well and then that like because the reaction is so like oh we can't do that triggers all of the shame and fear and like i really am doing something that isn't you know that's not proper or that's really inconvenient yeah. and i'm being I'm, a- I'm being really needy or asking for too much yeah. and, you know like that that's just such a it's such a burden. It's such a burden. My my question of could you possibly call me a different name, man? It's just such a burden right. on other people. When it's not, it's totally polite. It's totally reasonable to ask people to call you by whatever name you want to be, cho- you know, co- yeah. referred to as, and for that to be reflected appropriately in your workplace. Yeah. You know, that's not a huge ask. That's a real simple one, but it feels huge, and it yeah. feels like uh, we don't have a right to it because there's such a negative reaction to it, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, 
And I think this is this is also so the the sort of next place is like any place where we ask anyone to do just a little bit of extra work right. can trigger all kinds of internalized transphobia. Yeah. I know for me, when I first came out, I had, I did my social transition before I did a medical transition. Cause right. I, that wasn't the right thing to do next. Like yeah, I yeah. just kind of, the first thing to do was to get everybody using my chosen name and uh-huh. my correct pronouns. Yep. And for me, I was so flooded with internalized transphobia about this idea that like everyone was just sort of play acting, knowing that this was all fake and God, I was asking him to do so much work and they were all resenting me behind my back. And like, I just had all of this feelings of being a burden Uh and being like too sensitive. And even just a couple of weeks ago, I transitioned. So I transitioned at the job that I still currently work at. Yeah. And even just a couple of weeks ago, I had to go to a couple of people and say, hey, listen, um, the way that our email accounts store emails, my current email in my current name is still linked to my dead name. Uh-huh. When you email me, can you go do these three steps and change it? Yeah. And I, it was such a hard thing for me to ask. Like it, I, I like had to sit in my office and breathe for several minutes, but it was literally hurting me every time I saw it because yeah. my dead name just kept showing up in my email box. Oh, and it was like, get oh. it out of here. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but it shows up to everyone else who's received the email. No. Oh, my gosh, no. So Whoa. it was like deeply triggering for me every yeah. time these people emailed me. And so I had to go ask them. But it felt like gosh, I was just being so sensitive about something that was really not that big a deal and they didn't do anything wrong. It was just a glitch in the technology. And so my asking to change it just felt like such a stretch. And like, that's, That's it's absurd, but it is, it, it was how I felt. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's really common, you know, that feel, that is how internalized transphobia that is how internalized transphobia manifests, right? Something that is a specific, a very reasonable mm-hmm. ask becomes something that's terrifying. Um, yeah. And that feels like we don't have a right to. Um, so I think some other places that this manifests is in friendships, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there is no one way to transition. There's also no manual that we can look up and be like, okay, friends, this is how <laughs> we do this. <laughs> Someone should we write that manual. Somebody probably should. <laughs> like how to, how to friend, how to friend <laughs> with a trans person, how to family with a trans person. <laughs> this might be something we do um, <laughs> even just for fun. Um, <laughs> but you know, it doesn't exist at the moment. And so it's, it's an experiment in some ways, right? Like where, in your friendship, you're negotiating, you know, how this works. And for me early in my friendships, um, you know, asking me to call the different name, like all of those things with new people, it was easy, you know, mm-hmm. or with people that were relatively new to my life where I experienced the most sort of fear, um, was people with clearly I was more invested in, right. Because yeah. I had longer friendships with, um, and because I transitioned at 19, those people were people that I had been friends with in junior high and high school. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, you know, my best friend and I, it was interesting. The first few years of my friendship, we, or the first few years of my transition, our friendship, um, experienced some strain, I think, because she didn't know how to talk about me and us and our friendship in the past tense in a way that, you know, didn't use my dead name or misgender me. And I didn't know how to ask that of her because I was afraid that asking that would mean that she would no longer want to be my friend. And she was my best friend, you know? I didn't want to give that up, but also then I started distancing and, you know, sort of doing stupid things to like 
create space because I didn't know how to go to someone who I knew loved me and have this conversation. Um, and I remember when I finally, you know, sort of brought it up and was like, Hey, can we talk about this? Because I know you have really good intentions and you're trying to be really sweet and kind. But when you talk about, you know, that dance we all went to and I wore that dress and I looked really good, I didn't feel good. And I, you know, I know that you're trying to be really sweet and affirming, but for me, like those memories, I know there are memories and like, we can figure out a way to talk about them, but maybe without some of the specifics or in some, you know, or I don't know, there's gotta be a way we can talk about this that doesn't hurt Um, you know, every time we talk about it and she had lots of questions when I brought it up and like, we had this really wonderful conversation and like, we both, you know, found the courage and way to actually create a much stronger friendship, um, as adults that had a foundation in childhood. And now, you know, like, I mean, I hope we, I think we will know each other until we die, you know, because she is family to me. Like we're that close. Um, but it was hard to like, it was hard for me to, uh, know that I deserved that conversation and that she deserved that conversation and that our friendship deserved that conversation. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she wouldn't be like, yeah, peace out because you're asking too much of me, you know, like, yeah. but all that shame and fear was telling me that she would not be interested in that conversation because I didn't deserve to be, you know, treated with, yeah. you know, the same sort of regard. Um, not that she wasn't treating me with regard. She absolutely was, but you know, figuring I didn't deserve like, the conversation to figure out how to talk about our friendship in a way that felt good for both of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I did deserve that. She deserved that. Our friendship deserved that. And we're stronger because of it. So, uh, so shout out to my best friend, Brie, because uh, <laughs> you're a rock star and I wouldn't be here without you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think something yeah. I've heard over the years is this idea that like, a, when a trans person transitions, yeah. like not just they transition, but really their whole family yeah. and everyone connected to them also has to transition. And that's really hard work. And in friendships, a lot of times it's, you know, you've got a friendship that's built on something. And then the question is like, well, has that thing changed and what's safe to talk about and how do I engage? Yep. Um, and that's just something that is, it's really, it's, it's hard work to do that work. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think we both have some fantastic friends who have hung with us through that process. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's hard work that really requires everyone to be on board with that same level of commitment around like having the hard conversation and yeah. being able to change behavior, which is harmful which is and hard. hurtful. Yeah. And that's hard. And, and it requires, I think, a commitment from, you know, you and I as people, individual trans people to believe that we're worth that work. Right. Yeah, that man. like it, we, our friendships we we are awesome friends. I've got to say that we are good at being friends and it's worth it, you know, to mm-hmm. like hang in there. It's worth it to ask that of your friends. Um, our friendship is worth that. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I'm adding one. Um, I think one other place, this, uh, manifest that we should talk about is in community, right? Mm-hmm. So in the LGBTQ and in the trans community, mm-hmm. um, there's a quote that I love from Patty Smith. She says, every gender is a drag. Um, <laughs> and I love that because gender, all genders are performance, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's daily or like full drag, you know, in a performance setting. Um, but that internalized transphobia has often kept me from enjoying my own gender performance, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of feeling like this is fun, I get to choose the ways that I get to express myself in the world and mm-hmm. sort of be excited about clothes or be excited about, you know, like be excited about the different ways that I do that, that other people will see. Um, 
I always, I feel more anxiety, right? Anxiety and shame and that sort of thing. And so it's taken a long time for me to sort of work into being like, Oh, I could like, I bought my first pair of skinny jeans, like literally two weeks ago because get it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Which for me, they're really comfortable because I don't like super baggy clothes, but I've worn super baggy clothes most of my life because of that shame and fear and internalized transphobia of like, this is what men wear boxy clothes, right? Like (laughs) this is how to man, you Mm -hmm. can't wear (laughs) the thing you want to wear. You have to wear the thing that men wear. So, and I think that it's, you know, we don't like personally, I don't relish sort of those external expressions of gender as much as I could because of that internalized shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that also makes me more prevalent to policing other trans people's gender expression. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, when you're like wrapped up in how you present, yeah. then it makes it really hard to be like, you know, I love that that person over there is yeah. wearing a high heel, high heels and a beard exactly, and a flowy cape. Right. Like, like you do you. You do you, man. Yep. Because what I'm thinking is like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is that what I look like? Right. Is that how I look like when I'm doing gender? Is this like, right. am, am, am I doing it wrong? Yeah. Is that how the world is seeing me? Even yeah. though that's an intentional choice that person's making to be seen that way. Go you. But that internalized shame is like making all these like alarms go off right? yeah. that don't need yeah. to go off. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing about community and especially the LGBTQ community is that, um, transphobia has kept policies from moving forward that yep. impact trans people because it's really, I mean, trans people are at the most marginalized segment of the LGBTQ community. Right. And so when we center them, that's hard work to do mm-hmm. to talk about trans issues without, um, really like without being unkind and then internalized transphobia has led the trans community to be like, well, I mean, I, okay, I guess, I guess you can come back for us and do like, you'll do your policy first. And then we like, okay. I mean, like it's hard to fight for us. And so like, you'll come back to us. And the reality is that they didn't come back for us. Yeah. Um, And so now, (laughs) you know, it's, and now we're, now we're, you know, decades on and we still don't have protections for trans folks. Um, and part of that is because of transphobia and then internalized transphobia and the way that those two things play off of one another in community. Yeah. And I think there's an acceptance of not only did they not come back from, for us, but now there are many sort of LGBTQ organizations that don't actively fight for trans people, but are raising money off of taking stances against policy without doing any work around it. Yeah. Um, either historically or presently. Um, but we still accept that, right. Being like, well, they will, they're raising money, you know, and it's like, "Mm, they haven't yet. We have to hold them accountable. Right. And we deserve that. Like, yeah, we, we don't need to accept secondary treatment, even though, that's what that internalized transphobia is telling us, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So this is a two-part episode. Yeah. Because this topic is so big uh-huh. and like prevalent in the community, we wanted to give it a lot of space to be able yeah. to actually have the conversation in a really full and meaningful way and not rush it. Yeah. So for this for this episode, we're going to wrap here. Uh-huh. Um, but know that next week we're coming back with discussions about what do we do next? Like how do we actually work through it? What does like what does it look like on the other side of that, yep. um, and how can allies play a role in that? Exactly. So we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. It's time for closing credits. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Michael Soto, and me, Sam Garman. Thank you for listening. 
Uh, make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Our music is by Skylar Kurgel. Check him out at SkylarKurgel.com, where you can see what he's up to and link to all his social. We want to hear from you. You can connect with us on TransformPod.com or on Facebook at TransformPod. We appreciate your questions and feedback. Email us at TransformPod at gmail.com. We really encourage your thoughtful and positive feedback. If you disagree with us, that's fine, but we will not engage in any name-calling or dehumanizing talk, so please just don't do it. Thanks for going beyond the transition with us. Please tell me a story